Welcome to Tell Me What to Google. I'm Michael Kent, and this is a podcast where listeners tell me something they recently learned from the internet that they think I should learn about. It's a podcast without a category because you tell me what we're going to talk about. Before we get on to today's podcast, I want to thank everyone who has rated and reviewed this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a second to leave us a five-star review along with a few words, and I thank you greatly. The podcast is now up on all of the places where people listen to podcasts, including the brand new Amazon podcasts. So you can literally tell Alexa to play the podcast. Tell me what to Google. I tried it the other day and it works. Also, quick note about last week's episode about Seneca Village. Uh, I put the video of the entire unedited conversation I had with Nan Rothschild up on my Patreon. So that's a Patreon exclusive for subscribers there. If you're interested in that, you can join at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Now on to the show. This is a good one. Today's topic comes from Joel McKay, and it's about dung beetles. My name is Joel, and I recently learned that dung beetles are the first known species to navigate using the stars. Dung beetles navigate using the stars? I had never heard that, so I thought it'd be a great episode. So, quick content warning, this episode is going to talk about poop. And as I always do on this podcast, I'll keep my language clean, but we're going to be talking about feces. We're going to be discussing crap. We're going to be talking about dung, excrement, fecal matter, feces, stool. We're going to be talking about waste. Number two, defecation. We're going to be discussing turds, duty, poo, dumps, dookie, droppings, butt dumplings. We'll be discussing in detail rusty nuggets, body boulders, sewer serpents, keister cakes, brownie bits, tushy tots, butt babies, smelly pebbles, poop. We'll be discussing poop. The dung beetle is an arthropod. It's from the family Scarabidae. Scarabidae. That's right. There are two diphthongs in its family name. It's a scarab beetle. It's classified as an insect. They live in forests and grassland almost everywhere in the world except cold climates. And they live to be about three years old. They survive on a diet of poop. They're called the dung beetle because that's what they eat. But I have never heard about a bug using the stars to navigate. So let's Google that. Whoa, uh, okay. The first result is from a National Geographic study titled Dung Beetles Navigate Via the Milky Way, First Known in Animal Kingdom. Wow. There are three main types of dung beetles. The difference is how they like their food. The main kind we think of is the beetle rolling the giant ball of dung. That's the kind we'll be talking about in this episode. But there are also dung beetles who tunnel through giant piles of poop and eat it that way. And then some of them just live there. They just live inside the poop. And there's a saying, never eat where you poop. But for dung beetles, it's okay because it's not their poop. Something crazy about dung beetles. In a way, they're the world's strongest animal. Relative to their weight, they can lift more than any other animal. How much more? Get this, this is nuts. When they're rolling a ball of dung, a dung beetle can pull 1,141 times its own body weight. So imagine like a 200 pound man. That would be that man lifting 228,200 pounds. That's like one man lifting a blue whale, which is the largest mammal to have ever lived. For reference, the entire space shuttle weighs 160,000 pounds. So imagine a 200 pound man on a runway pulling the space shuttle all by himself. And not even an empty space shuttle. In the payload bay of the space shuttle is the anchor of a cruise ship. That's what we're talking about here. 
Dung beetles are on average about the size of a gummy bear, so this is absolutely nuts. One of the things they use their immense body strength for is, for males anyway, fighting with other males. The male dung beetles lock horns and fight for female attention and for dung. So again, back to our example of comparing that to a human, that's two dudes fighting each other, each with the power to lift a blue whale by himself. So why do they roll the ball of dung, you may be wondering. Here's the deal. When an animal lays a fresh steaming pile, the dung beetles come in. They don't use their noses to smell poop like we do. They use their antenna. They have special poop antenna on their head. That It's not made out of poop. It, it senses poop. It's on their head. It's specialized for the scent of fresh animal droppings. They spend most of their time on the ground, but they can fly, sometimes up to several miles for a good pile of duke. They eat the dung of herbivores. And herbivores suck at completely digesting their food, so there tend to be a lot of nutrients left over that are partially digested. Grass and liquid, and it's this nutrient-rich poop liquid that the dung beetles like. They eat it and they lay eggs in it so their babies can have food. So these beetles crawl into the pile, they start rolling up some fresh dung, and then getting it away. They want to get it away because they want to get to a spot where they can save it for themselves and their eggs and so they're not fighting with other beetles for it. They roll it and the females lay eggs in it and then they bury it. That keeps a safe food source for them later and there are some added consequences like it loosens up the soil which nourishes the land and helps control fly populations. Just like most insects, their movements are motivated by a couple things, mating and eating. So when it comes to the subject of this episode, we're talking about their movement as it involves them rolling the dung ball. A couple things to know. One, they roll the ball in a straight line. And two, they need to remember where the ball is that they've buried. This is where the navigation part of this comes in. National Geographic journalist Christine Delamore wrote a piece in 2013 with this title, Dung Beetles Navigate Via the Milky Way, First Known in Animal Kingdom. In the piece, she cites this study from Lund University in Sweden and quotes one of the researchers on this study, Eric Warrant. So Warrant was a co-author on this study, and it figured out this crazy fact. Scientists knew that the beetles rolled in a straight line, and it was important that they were rolling it away from the pile, but what they didn't know was how the beetles were doing it. One of the best guesses leading up to this study was that they were navigating at night using the position of the moon, or that they had this neural ability inside their brains that was able to make them go in a straight line, but then they saw that the beetles were able to still do it on moonless nights. Eric Warrant said this caused scientists a lot of grief, so they conducted a study. Here's what they found out. Dung beetles, it turns out, can see the Milky Way, which from Earth creates sort of an oblong, skinny oval. That oval points in a particular direction, and that is what the beetles use to navigate. Usually the human eye can't see the Milky Way, but dung beetles have this ability with super sensitive eyeballs. They can use that faraway point, much like sailors use the stars to navigate. The idea of celestial navigation is simple, really. Stars are really far away, so picking a point that doesn't move, or barely imperceptibly moves, you can be sure that you're following a straight line. For sailors, they have to know where certain stars appear in the night sky so they can orient themselves to north, south, east, west. For dung beetles, this doesn't matter. The important part is that they're moving in a straight line away from the pile, and then using that straight line, they know their way back to the pile. So yes, now you know something crazy. Dung beetles are the first insects discovered to use celestial navigation. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and see if they already know what we have just learned. So normally this segment is supposed to be me calling a friend of mine to quiz them, 
But just like last week with the episode about Seneca Village, I sort of lucked out again and I found an expert. So two of the first three episodes of the show are already breaking my intended format. The man we're about to call is Eric Warrant. If that name sounds familiar, we talked about him earlier. He is the co-author of the study that was mentioned in the National Geographic article I found. He's a biology professor at Lund University in Sweden, and I'm calling him in Sweden, so this is now truly a global podcast. Hello from the U.S., Eric. Good to see you. Nice to see you too, Michael. And it's, uh, it's 6 p.m. there in Sweden, correct? That's right. That's, it is. So it's right at the end of the day. So it's lunchtime for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I really do appreciate you, you taking some time out of your evening to talk with us. Uh, we've just been talking about dung beetles and this interesting fact that they, we've, we've, we now know that they use a, a form of celestial navigation to figure out where they are and where they're going. I found this study from, I first saw it in, in National Geographic, does your field of study uh, center on dung beetles, or is it more about the like the temporal maps and insects, or did it just arise because there was a specific question that needed to be answered? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, that comes right to the root of what scientists do when they do science, how they come up with questions. So for me, it's slightly historical because I did my PhD studying the vision of dung beetles in Australia. That's where I'm originally from. Um, and they're nocturnal creatures. So my background's physics. So I was studying optics of the eyes, but I became very, very interested in night vision because these animals are nocturnal. So um, from that sort of early time, I became more and more interested in how well animals, but particularly insects, can see in, in the dark in, in, at nighttime. And as I was walking, working on insects, I, uh, sorry, on dung beetles, I decided to continue those questions on them. Interesting. So we know that humans have used celestial navigation, uh, and your study mentions that birds and seals do as well. Now that we know dung beetles do this, um, do we know they're the, the first insect to have been found to do it, but are they the first animal to have done it? Uh, National Geographic, did they misstate this in the title, or is there, do we know that they predate the use of celestial navigation from other beings? Yeah, well, that's a good question because um, you can use stars for different purposes. So um, we humans have the skill of being able to use the stars to actually work out a particular direction. So north, south, east or west. Um, so do some groups of nocturnally migrating birds. I'm working on a moth at the moment that turns out that it can do the same thing, actually. But dung beetles can't do that. So what dung beetles do is that they use the stars actually as more of a cue to keep a straight line course. So they use the bright stripe of light in the Milky Way, which is very bright in the Southern Hemisphere where we've been studying these animals. Um, and they sort of just get an angle to that stripe of light and keep that angle and go in a straight line for, for about 10 or so minutes while they roll their ball of dung. So that's a slightly easier task um, to use the stars for that purpose. But if you want to navigate um, over long distances like many nocturnally migrating animals uh, like birds and, the, uh, and some species of moths, um, if you can use the stars instead to actually get directional information like north, south, east and west and use it as a true compass, then that's really amazing. And that's only known so far in humans and birds or some birds, some nocturnally migrating birds. 
uh, with, with certainty. And there's a moth that we're working on at the moment that seems to have the same skill. So I imagine if you're creating a map that isn't just uh, spatially oriented to where you are right now, but you are creating a north, northeast, southwest view in your head, do they keep that information for a very long time? Uh, you're talking about gun beetles now, particularly? Oh, no, or? I was talking about the, the birds where they're, oh. they're actually doing it similar to the way that we do it, where they're actually yes. using direction. Yeah, well, some, some animals seem to be born with a direction in their head. They know which way to go. So it's genetic. So they've got a, a pre-programmed inherited migratory direction. They know the direction. Um, so they know which it could be southwest or it could be um, um, southeast, and they might have to reverse that direction to come back again after the season um, that they spend in the place that they're going. Okay. Um, so, so generally they have that direction in their head. Then they use um, cues in the environment. It could be stars. It could be the earth's magnetic field. Like we also use for compasses to work out which direction that, which direction to head in order to go in that direction that they're born with. I'm picturing birds with little compasses in their claws now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They've got them in their heads, actually. <laughs> well, we should have that, too. Yeah. I, uh, so go back to dung beetles for a moment. How long yeah. can they store this information? Oh, that's, very, that's a very good question. It seems that this is reprogrammed every day. Oh. So um, they seem to have a direction that they um, prefer to go. Um, well, when I say that, that's actually a bit of a lie. Really, it's actually every time they make a trip, they, they have a, a direction they want to go in. Now, as evil scientists, we can disrupt that trip okay. uh, by putting barriers in their road or making them fall off their uh, ball if they're, if they're sort of manipulating their ball. Um, but then they will always go back to that original direction that they had. But um, they don't necessarily have a particular direction that they need to go in every single day because their only job really is to get away from the fury of the dung pile which is an extremely hectic place to be because there are lots and lots of dung beetles in a big pile of dung in South Africa, and they're all after this precious resource. Um, and so dung beetles spend a lot of time and energy crafting a really beautiful round ball that they can roll away. Um, and they, there are plenty of lazy dung beetles that hang around waiting to bash up another beetle that's done a nice job on a ball and take it. So the last thing they want to do once they've achieved this task of making a nice ball um, they don't want to roll back into the dung pile. So what they do then is they have to roll away in a straight line. That's the best thing to do. But it doesn't matter what direction. They've got no predetermined direction. As long as it's in a straight line directly away from the dung pile, it can be any direction. Uh, but straight, it must be. And that's the important thing that they need to achieve, a straight path. And for a dung beetle, that's not trivial because the ball is really, really big. It would be like you or I rolling a Volkswagen Beetle behind us. Incredible. incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> the, the Beatles, from, from what I have read, they do an unusual ritual to orient themselves before rolling the ball that is referred to as the dance. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, what they do is that they climb up on the ball and they do a, a sort of a single pirouette, if you like, on the top of the ball. And <clears throat> when they do that, what they're doing is reading celestial cues from the sky to work out the direction they wish to roll in. And then they get down onto the ground again and they roll in that direction. Then if they're disturbed, for instance, if they roll into a little ditch or something and, and become disconnected from the ball, um, they climb up on the ball again, redo that little dance and, and uh, rework out what the direction was they should be going in and then 
get back wow. down onto the ground and then roll again in that direction. That's interesting. You know, when I was reading these studies, I was reminded of when I mow my lawn at home. If I look at the ground and I try to mow a straight line of grass next to the one next to it, inevitably I'll turn around and look back and it will be a crooked line. So the way that I do it is I will pick up a fence post that's 200 feet away from me and I will roll that mower just like a, a pile of dung toward that fence post. And it seems like this is a similar uh, idea in that you're picking something that's far away. So relative to you, it's hardly moving. And that keeps them in a straight as line as possible. Is that is that a similar idea? Yes, that's correct. Um, but the cue that they're using is in the sky. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a stable, um, either a pattern of, of stars, as the nocturnal beetles we've studied, or... They can even use a pattern of light in the sky during the day that we can't see, um, which is polarized light. And they can oh. use the sun itself, the disk of the sun as a cue to, to hold a direction against. Wow. Interestingly, though, they don't do what you do when you're mowing. They don't look for things on the ground to go towards, which is very curious. So they don't use landmarks. That is interesting. Um, you would think that... Uh... You know, just like the Milky Way may be visible sometimes and isn't, there may be a tree that's visible. I guess, I guess the idea there is, uh, you know, they might accidentally be using a, the, the trunk of an elephant <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. that may move or something <laughs> along these lines. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Um, my final question for you is the part of the study that actually made me laugh when I saw the photo. Um, your team came up with an unusual way to control this study. Uh, it, it, the the photo looks like uh, a beetle wearing like a sun visor. Can you explain what this is? Yes, it's a little hat. It, it, it uh, took us a while to work it out. We sat in the shade of the table and clipped pieces of cardboard out with scissors and fitted them to the head. And the whole <laughs> point of this was to block their view of the sky. Oh. Uh, because we were, we were certain that there was cues in the sky, celestial cues, either this special polarized light during the day or the sun's disk during the day or at nighttime, the pattern of stars. And the best way to block that view out is to put a little hat on their heads that blocks the view, but doesn't block the view around them so they can see ahead of them and, and to the sides. So if they were relying on cues that they could see ahead of them, like a, like a, like a post in the case of you mowing, um, then that wouldn't block that out. Um, but when we put the hat on their head, then they were completely disoriented. So instead of going in a straight line, um, they instead just went around in circles. Wow. Yeah, and if you, uh, if you look up this study, you can actually see uh, so they've graphed out or they've, they've mapped out the, the difference between what it looks like when the Beatles were controlled with the, the hat I'm curious, did you put any uh, sports team logos on the hats or anything? Because that would, <laughs> no, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Next time. Uh, <laughs> well, we've got different models, so they could potentially be fashionable. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really great. This has been intensely interesting for me to, uh, to study and to share with our listeners. And so, Eric, we really do appreciate you joining us and helping enlighten us about the fact that dung beetles are celestial navigators um and and thanks again for joining us from sweden we really appreciate it have a great weekend that's all for this week this is a brand new podcast so we could use all the help we could get tell your friends you learned about dung beetles please leave a review of the podcast on itunes with a little bit of verbiage writing a few words helps a ton to allow other people to listen and to allow other people to tell me what to google we'll see you next week